स्पाइस रेडियो और रेडियो रिमझिम सुन रहे हैं आप गपशप का प्रोग्राम है हमारी घड़ी में बाद दोपहर के दो बजकर सात मिनट हुआ चाहते हैं अब से लेके तीन बजे तक आपका और हमारा साथ रहेगा हमारे आज के इस कार्यक्रम में जिसका नाम बड़े प्यार से हमने गपशप रखा है क्योंकि इसमें वो सभी बातें जो आज आपकी नज़रों में अटकेंगी खटकेंगी और दिल में समाएंगी उन सबको लेकर हम हाजिर हैं ये बताते हुए कि बाहर का मौसम उफ गर्म है बिल्कुल आसमान साफ है 30 डिग्री के आसपास तापमान है हमारे स्टूडियोज़ के बाहर लेकिन स्टूडियो के अंदर तापमान बहुत अच्छा है और कूलर क्योंकि आज हमारे स्टूडियोज़ में एक बहुत ही एक ऐसे इंसान आए हैं जो बहुत भव्य हैं बहुत ही निगमेटिक हैं आपका नाम है जेफरी आम और इन्हें लोग कविंद्र ऋषि के नाम से भी जानते हैं एक बहुत ही खूबसूरत किताब इन्होंने लिखी है जिसमें भगवत गीता के बारे में उन्होंने क्लैरिफिकेशन अंग्रेजी में दी है एंड इट्स कॉल्ड भगवत गीता कम्स लाइव एंड इट्स इट्स कॉल्ड रेडिकल ट्रांसलेशन बाय जेफरी आर्मस्ट्रॉन्ग जेफरी योर मोस्ट वेलकम इन आर प्रोग्राम हाउ आर यू डूंग इट इज़ लवली टू सी यू एंड एंड टूडे फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल आई वुड लाइक टू कॉन्ग्रेचुलेट यू बिकॉज यू आर द रिसिपियंट ऑफ द आई डिस्टिंग्विश्ड Indologist Award. What does that stand for? I believe, in this particular case, it's someone who speaks favorably of the Vedic culture ah, of Bharat. I see. And I have dedicated my life to that. So it was wonderful of them to acknowledge it. But it's I do it from the depths of my heart because it's what I love the most. You know, when you talk about uh, the Indian culture, and you talk about not india but bharat it just makes me feel um very proud that there is someone who understands and realizes just the other day we were watching some program and i exclaimed that the young people of india today so desperately want to be western that they have forgotten their own cultural values their own culture their own background the fantastic history that we all have well i'll tell you i'm old fashioned <laughs> i read the itihasa <laughs> and it's not called the maha india it's yes. called the mahabharat mahabharat <laughs> that's right isn't that beautiful <laughs> so um let's let's take you back to your childhood jeffrey i am really interested to find out where were you born and how did you become um a sanatan dharmi mm. Well, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Wow. So, first of all, I didn't care about color. No. I'm white, but I used to go downtown Detroit where all the black culture lived. lived. Yes. Yeah. And all the rap poetry started and everything, and I used to go to dances, and there'd be 2,000 black people and three of us that were white. <laughs> and some 6-foot-4 black guy'd walk up to me and say, "What are you doing here, white boy?" Right. And I said, "Cuz I don't see skin." Brother Habachu. Right. And he right. say that's cool, you can stay. <laughs> so, so I was over black and color and all of that at age 5. I mean, totally. do you th- do you think it was something that your parents taught you or was it inherently in you? It was inherently in me because I started writing poetry at 13. I knew something was wrong. I didn't I listened to Christianity and I said, "Yeah, but not quite." Hmm. Nice of you in some ways, but no. Hmm. So I was looking for answers and I didn't find them until I found my gurus mm. from Bharat. And the journey from you writing your poems at the age of 13 
to you finding your guru. How was that? That that was an interesting period. Well, my first poem was short. I'll recite it for you. Please. Thirteen years old. Yes. I went out one night to a carnival, just because I could. Yes. And it was boring, and I got sick and threw up and went on all the rides and came home, usual. And when I got home, I've never done this before, I picked up a piece of paper and a pen and I started writing. Uh-huh. And I didn't know what I was doing. And it, I said, life is like a carnival filled with dirty little men grubbing for pennies, offering cheap thrills to stupid people who lead empty, meaningless lives. And when I look in the mirror, I see not one person but two, and I wonder which one is really me. Oh, wow. At the age of 13. 13. What a profound piece of... In a standard middle-class white family (laughs) with nobody reading me the Bhagavad Gita or anything like that. (laughs) I just was going, what? Who am I? What's going on here? Yeah. Isn't that just amazing? So that brings me to the question of reincarnation then. Oh, and then we'll come back to your life, okay? Mm. So I do believe in reincarnation. And... Jeffrey now, Kavindra Rishi, Rishi now believes in reincarnation. Do you think that was your reincarnated self? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. As a matter of fact, I think of it, I think of people like myself as the revenge on the colonizers. Yes. It's the karma they get for stealing everything from India. Right. So that's why India then said, wait. I'm going to send you all of our yogis, <laughs> and we're going to give you the knowledge. You took the, the junk. Yes. Here's the good stuff. <laughs> and so now there's hundreds of millions of yogis all over the world. They are. There are. There and are. where did they come from in their last life? Mm-hmm. Bharat. They all came from Bharat. They all said, I'm a yogi. Whatever yes. you'd like, Bhagavan, send me somewhere. I'll do it. Yes. I'd like to be in your service. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. So the 13-year-old looked at the carnival, thought, wow. You know, life couldn't be all just like this. So I called it the merry-go-round of reincarnation. Right, <laughs> right. So, so then, what were you interested in, education-wise? Uh, literature, poetry, mm-hmm. psychology degree. Mm-hmm. First, go round through university. Mm-hmm. Eventually, history and comparative religion, mm-hmm. and all things esoteric and metaphysical. I worked my way through university in a right. metaphysical bookstore. Wow. And read every book in the shelves. So you you had this thirst and for knowledge. Insatiable. Yeah. Couldn't be satisfied with anything less than who I really am, who we really are. Right. Not boga, yeah. not dogma, yeah. yoga. Wow. So, you know, you're you're famous for inventing uh, different words and, and I'll come to that as well because, you know, it's it's very interesting. So your corporate life was very interesting. You led a corporate life. You made lots of money. And today you are a sannyasi who doesn't need that much money, right? Right. My first corporate job was Apple Computer. Apple Computer. No kidding. Yes. Our Apple Computers. We, we only do Apple. I, I knew Steve Jobs. I knew the whole crowd. Right. And I had to get a corporate job because I got married, had a child. Yes. And I was done with the university. So I went in for my very first job interview. Yes. Okay. And I went into this room, and there were 13 Arabs sitting on cushions on the floor. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I'd already studied history and comparative religion. 
and read the Quran. So I looked over at them and I said, Salam alaikum. Yeah. They just about peed their pants. <laughs> they went, alaikum salam. Yeah. I said, kefaholic. <laughs> they said, alhamdulillah. And then they said, you know, Mr. Armstrong, this job is to sell Apple computer in the Middle East. I said, oh, I thought it said the Midwest, but I hate the Midwest. <laughs> the next day, my first job interview in my life, yeah. I got the job out of 535 applicants. Wow. Because I was culturally sensitive to what was really going on. And I spent the next almost two years going to 20 Arab countries in the Middle East and selling mm. Apple computer, Apple II, mm. in fact. <laughs> That's amazing. And meeting Steve Jobs must have been. I knew Jobs, Wozniak, the whole thing, uh, and even um, Microsoft, what's his mm. name, Bill okay. Gates. Yeah, Bill Gates. All of them. We yeah. all went to the same trade shows, right. same places. Right. Yeah. Jeffrey, I want to take you. Uh, you. You mentioned that you'd gotten married and you had a kid, so you had to, you know, look after them. And yeah. I, I want you to, I, I want you to take me out of there and tell me when did you think of getting to the the yogis and learning their way of life. But let's take a very short commercial break and come back. Jeffrey Armstrong is our guest today till 3 o'clock. If you have any questions, 604 280 1200 604 2998 so Jeffrey, you um, you started making oodles of money, and then maybe one fine day, the goddess Saraswati came to you and said, uh, "Jeffrey, this is not your life." It is, does it, did it happen like that? No. No. I hadn't made any money. Oh, you. <laughs> I was twenty-three years old. I had a degree in psychology and literature poetry. Right. I was just finished five years of education at university. Right. And it was the 60s. I won't tell you everything, but <laughs> there was a lot going on, and I was one of the thought leaders. Oh, great. And that experience, too. So I knew Timothy Leary right. and Richard Alpert, and I knew the whole crowd. And yet I was sincere. I was looking for something. Right. A truth that no one had given me in any of Christianity and any of my education, mm. none of the psychology professors understood it. You're right. But my favorite was Carl Jung yeah. went to India once. Yes. And he wrote a, a friend of his a letter from there. And he said to his friend, quote, I have just seen the truth bear. I have seen Shiva and Durga, the masculine and feminine divine. But when I teach this in the West, I will not be able to use the Sanskrit, so I'm going to call it anima, and Animus. Ah. So Carl Jung was the first psychologist to talk about Shiva and Durga without anyone knowing what he was saying. Yeah. And I was the next generation. I was ready to talk about Shiva and Durga and Bhagavan and Krishna and Radha and Vishnu and Lakshmi, the whole thing. So at 23, I went into the ashram and spent five years as a celibate brahmachari sleeping wow. on the floor, Wow! serving my guru and studying the Veda. Mm -hmm. 
So studying the Vedas, then did you have to learn Sanskrit to study the Vedas? Actually, I did after the ashram. Okay. But I had to know Sanskrit words right. to learn the Veda. Mm-hmm. And so my vocabulary increased. Later on, I got a guru of Samskritam, mm-hmm. who was a Banaras pundit, mm-hmm. who had memorized the 4,000 grammatical rules of the Ashtadhyaya Panini. Oh my. He was a brilliant pundit, born wow. into a Brahmin family. So I had three gurus, one of Jyotish, one of Vedanta, and one of Sanskrit. And from him, I learned the full range of what Sanskrit truly is, and that there's no other language in the world that even comes close to its precision, its grammar, its etymology. And through that, I became an etymologist mm. and a linguist. Now, it, it, it is said that when you, in Sanskrit, when you are reciting any of the mantras, it's the pronunciation which is most important. Because each word, each, each word that comes out of your mouth has got a different way of saying it. So when I used to talk to little kids uh, with their mom and dads coming for their birthdays, and I would ask them, what is your name? Uh, and if their name was Aman, they would say Ammon. And I would say, that's not right. Mm-mm. You have to say Aman. Mm. And, uh, and they would sheepishly sort of say Aman, but you know, other kids would not be able to call them Aman, so they were fine with being called Aman, you know, or something like that. All right, so here's the answer. In the Veda, there are six arts, mm. skills, called the Veda Angas, mm-hmm. the limbs of the Veda. Yes. One is Jyotish. Yes. One is Kalpa. Yes. Kalpa is all the details of how to live within matter. Right. So-called rituals. Yeah. Jyotish is the history of our many, many births. Right. And then there's four very important ones. Yeah. The first is Shiksha. Shiksha, which is? Which is phonetics. Yes. Correct pronunciation of the Sanskrit. Okay. Of the 50 letters of the Sanskrit. How many in Hebrew? 22. Mm. How many in English? 26. How many in Sanskrit? 50. Wow. Ah. Wow. So then comes Vyakarana, the 4,000 grammatical rules of Sanskrit that are precise unvarying and do not change over time. Mm. Then comes Nirukta, mm. the etymological source of meaning of words, their root. Mm. So the root two, of the there's 2,212 roots in the Sanskrit language. 2,000? And 2,212 roots, mm. root words, mm. which then all the other words come from. Come from, that's right. So we have the grammar, yeah. we have the correct pronunciation, right. We have the roots, and the last is chandas, mm. poetry. Gayatri meter, that's a chandas. It's called the Gayatri chandas. Ah. Without those four, there is no Sanskrit. Right. All four are necessary, and there is no other language on our planet that comes even close to the perfection and precision of Sanskritam. So when you uh, when you started learning the meaning of you know why you are here and and you know meeting the yogis and and then learning Sanskrit, was it sort of a, a, a different door opens for you and and it there is a different world out there that nobody else can see but you can. 
Oh, was it wonderful to be let into that door. Yeah, I bet. I have never gotten over it. As the saying goes in English, I'm like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I am in the midst of all the devas and davies and the beauty and the bahunam janmanamantinyanavan mam prapadyate vasudeva sarvamiti samahatma sudorlavaha. Beautiful. 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 So you mentioned astrology. Jyotish. And so Jyotish. So and Jyotish is a science. Not only is it a science, recently, if anyone would like to look into this, a dear friend of mine, Nilesh Oak, yes. has written some wonderful books about the astronomy mentioned in the Ramayana and yes. Mahabharata. Yes. Through that, we can date when the book was written ah. because it gives the exact astronomical situation of the sky mm. precisely in astronomical terms. No wow. other literature on our planet does this. Nothing in Islam, nothing in Christianity, nothing in Judaism, mm -hmm. none. Only the Vedic culture mm. has texts that date themselves mm. at 12,000 years ago mm. and 8,500 years ago. So Mahabharata was 8,500 years ago? Yes. And Ramayana was 12,000 years ago? Yes, according, not to me, no. not to speculation, no. to astronomy. Okay. Mathematics and astronomy, which was also a gift to the world from the culture of Bharat. So when you are talking about astronomy, so the uh, our entire universe and our uh, celestial bodies and and um, the galaxies and all that, we they're ever changing actually. So whatever was in the skies twelve thousand years ago has moved. That's right. And here's how it works. Yeah. So the our pole yes. of the planet yes. has a what's called a wobble. Yes. It takes twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years yes. for the wobble of the pole to happen one time. Okay. If there was a pencil in the yeah. top of the North Pole, it would describe a circle in the sky every twenty five thousand nine hundred and twenty years. Wow. Okay. If you divide by twelve you get two thousand one sixty. Mm. So a different star group Mm. becomes dominant every 2,160 years, and that's called a, a cycle or a, an age, not a yuga. Uh, it's not yuga. Just an age. No, no it's, it's, just, ask it. it's just a, a, a phase of the wobble. Mm. And all of this was measured in the Vedic civilization all those thousands of years ago, 12,000 years ago, during the time of the Ramayana. This mm. was all known. Mm. They knew how to track these movements. And so from that, we got the nine grahas mm. of Jyotish mm. and the notion that, so here's what I like to say. Yeah. I was born a born-again Christian, <laughs> but I became a born-again and again and again and again and again and again Hindu. <laughs> because the secret is you have to understand we're immortal beings. Yes. We cannot die. We cannot die. No. We cannot. No. And so we keep coming back, back as long as we're still learning and as long as we keep generating the karma to come back, and when we're done, we get moksha. Okay, so is it our desire to come back, or do we have to come back because we have unfinished business? Usually it's unfinished business until <laughs> the very end, <laughs> and then you have a little more choice because now you become a rishi, Yes. sadhu. Yes. Sadhu means one who cuts away the, the ropes right. that bind us to matter. Right. So 
more of our freedom, more of our moksha is achieved as we go on, finally, it's our choice. And oh, we say, whether we want to come back or not. I'm done. Yeah. But we have to say, oh, Bhagavan, uh -huh. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm ready to say, oh, Bhagavan, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Bhagavan Kija. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. We are talking to uh, Jeffrey Armstrong, also known as Kavindra Rishi. Beautiful, beautiful human being. Uh, he's in our studios today. Uh, if you have a desire to speak with him, although I have millions of questions, we won't only started his journey, and we haven't even talked about other things that he has been able to accomplish and done, done in his life. Do give us a call at 604-280-1200, Spice Radio, Radio Room, Jim Sundaram, Kapshabka program hai. Jeffrey Armstrong's Kavindra Rishi, aaj humare studios mein hai. Um, Jeffrey, we've got a caller on the line, so we're going to take them. Line four, thank you for waiting. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Namaskar to both of you. Thank you so much for... Um, this is great information. I'm, I mean, I, I don't even have the words to describe. Um, and I, I guess my question is, is there any website or any book, any resources that we can refer to? Yes. There are a number of ways that you can do this. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita Comes Alive has gitacomesalive.com. Our normal okay. website is Vasa. Can you just say that, uh, yeah. Sandy? Uh, JeffreyArmstrong.com, gitacomesalive.com, and there's another one called dharmocracy.org. Sorry, the last one? Dharmocracy, D-H-A-R-M-A. Yeah. Ocracy, like Dharmocracy. Like democracy, but Dharmocracy. Dharma. Okay, 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 got it. Dharmocracy.org. Okay, and mm. then there's a lot of uh, free content on Jeffy's YouTube, Jeffy Armstrong on YouTube. Sorry, what is the YouTube, Jeffy? Armstrong. Jeffrey okay. Armstrong. Yeah, you just Google him and a million things come up. Yeah, there's <laughs> too much. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I am just so blessed to cool. be listening to this. I just happened to be driving. I was working and uh, took a break, and I'll, I'm parked on the side to listen. To oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, thank you for your kind thank words, you. and I'm glad you pulled over. Caller, um, have you seen this book, The Bhagavad Gita uh, Comes Alive? I've read Bhagavad Gita, but I have not seen it. Then I think you should get this book, and... Sure. We are pleased with the blessing of uh, Kavindra and uh, Sandy to present this to you. So please stay on hold and, okay. uh, and Vishal will be able to let you know how you okay. can get this book from us. And one Thank more you. thing. Yes. The secret of this Gita is it's been decolonized. Okay, let's talk a little bit about that. Call it stay on the line, okay? Sure. Because he's, this is amazing. Um, go ahead, Jeffrey. Well, the thing is, English is the language that was used. Don't you think it's ironic it that the national <laughs> language of India is English? That's right. Because that shows that the damage was so great yeah. when they were being freed that n nobody could agree yeah. what language to use. That's we right. couldn't agree on Sanskrit, so yeah. we went back to English. Yes. The problem is English, is ha all of its sacred terms, so-called, are Christian. Yes. And so religion, God, sin, Lord, heaven, hell, these are not Vedic terms. No. And if you use them in translation, you ruin the Sanskrit word and lose its meaning. 
And this is what's been going on since colonization began with the British. They ruined the language. So all the translations coming out of India, out of Bharat, of the Veda, still have Christian words, sin, heaven, hell, Lord, and so forth. So I took them all out. I'm a linguist and I got rid of those toxic, incorrect, Christian, dogmatic, religious, irrelevant English words and instead translated the Sanskrit very carefully with attention to its roots and grammar and correct meanings so those meanings aren't lost. And I left about 150 Sanskrit words in the Gita because you must know those words because there's no English equivalent. Mm. So that's basically it. There's no English equivalent for moksha. Yeah, There's and no atma. Or samsara. Yeah. Hmm? yeah. Or how about prakriti? Oh, prakriti. Ah, procreate. Yeah. Procreate in English ah, comes from prakriti, prakriti in Sanskrit. Right. So I'm writing one book right now about thousands of Sanskrit words that are buried in English and nobody knows them. What do we call it? a heart specialist? Cardiologist. Ah, cardia. Cardia. What is Sanskrit for heart? Ah. Hridaya. Hride. Hride. Mm. So hridaya mm. is cardia. Ah, okay. So there's no cardiac specialist, there's a hridayak specialist. So there you go, caller. <laughs> I'm going to put you on hold and Vishal is going to give you our address so that you can pick up the book from us. Thank you. And what's your name? Neelam. Neelam, thank you. Um, so Neelam is a lucky one who gets the book. We've got one more book that we can give. Um, you, you just talked about the being a linguist, obviously and you had to be. Decolonizing. You're decolonizing, right. So the linguistic research of yours, when did you start that? That began at a very early age mm. because my first degree was in literature poetry. Mm. And I didn't tell you this, but as soon as I went into the ashram mm. at age 23, mm. I became one of the editors of my guru's translations of the Bhagavad Purana. Oh. And so I was immediately put to work mm -hmm. in the translation process. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have the qualifications to be a high level user of English, mm -hmm. and I could have taught literature at a university, right, right. but I also then began to know Sanskrit. Mm. And as I progressed, I finally realized that Sanskrit is the original root language, not mm -hmm. Latin, mm -hmm. not Greek, but Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. And it's the only one mm -hmm. who has all of those grammatical characteristics that I talked about That's before. Right. Yes. So this then led me to becoming, uh, to, to take it as a seva, mm -hmm. to decolonize all of the Sanskrit discussions. And that's what I'm mostly doing, taking out the inappropriate words and using the correct Sanskrit words. So when you were doing Bhagavad Gita, I mean, we talked about a few words. Uh, which is the, the most misconstrued uh, uh, verse of Bhagavad Gita that you have corrected and have got the meaning of? Well, the first one is yada, yada. Atma. Okay, Atma, okay. Because 
atma was mistranslated mm -hmm. soul. Yeah, it's not the soul. S-O-U-L in yeah. English is S-O-L in Latin. Yeah. And it means the sun. Ah. But the sun burns out someday. Yes, it does. It's just a planet. Mm -hmm. But the atma does not. cannot, yeah. does not, mm. will not ever burn out. Mm. It's a piece of Brahman. Mm. So there is no English equivalent for Atma. Okay. There is no English equivalent for Brahman. Mm. There is no English equivalent for these most important Sanskrit words. And leaving them out of the conversation misses the meaning of the Veda. We are using a lot of uh, Sanskrit words now in English language. Um, by accident. By accident, yes. <laughs> yoga as yoga, dharam as dharma. Hmm. Because when you write Sanskrit, there is a there are two dots there which give the sound of a her. Hmm. So when you translate that, and people who are not that knowledgeable about it, they would translate it as a ah sound. Okay. But it's not an ah sound. Here's the surprise okay. for you. Are you yeah. ready? Yes. Okay, sit back in your chair. This I will am. Rock, this I will am. rock your world. Okay. <laughs> Okay, rock my world. What is the meaning of the English word God? What is the meaning God? Um, it's not the Almighty? It's not. Okay, what does it mean? It's actually a Sanskrit word. No kidding. Yep, no kidding. And it comes in four places in the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. And we all know what it is because when we do the Agni Hotra Yagya, mm. to say thank you to the devas mm. for giving us dinner mm. and promise them that we'll take care of the planet, mm. when we put the offering into the fire, mm. we say the name of Agni's wife, Swaha. That's right. Swaha. Right. Now, the smoke that goes up yeah. after that is called Hutam. H-U-T-A-M. Okay, Hutam. That word went to German, which mm. is based on Sanskrit, mm. and that went to Dutch. So in German, Hutam became Gutam. Mm. In Dutch, it became Gut, and in English, it became God. Oh. So the word God in English means the smoke arising from a pagan fire sacrifice. <laughs> okay, all right. So how does that feel? <laughs> Mr. Fanatical Christian, how do you like them apples? <laughs> Your favorite word is actually one of our bit player words. <laughs> it's the smoke. It's the smoke. In that sacrifice you hate so much. You know, Jeffrey, when you talk like that, don't the other people, now I'm gonna call them the other people, get mad at you? Well, they know I'm not being malicious yes. because I'm respectful to them. Yes. And I say, look, I was born a Christian. I know there's truth there. Yes. But you guys are illiterate. Beg yeah. me, pardon me for telling you. Yes. But if somebody doesn't tell you, how will you ever learn? You don't know your language, Latin, came from Sanskrit. I want to tell you a wonderful word. You ready? Please do. Yes. All right. Because I want to talk to you about words as well. So what do you call somebody who is a, a domineering, terrible, take everything, completely dominate you ruler. What are they called? Tyranny, uh, tyrant. 
or uh, tyrant or yeah, a or terrorist or despot. <laughs> oh, despot. Okay. They're despotic. Mm. Okay. Now, what is the first part of that? Desha. Desha. What does that mean in Sanskrit? Um, The land. Land, yeah. And Pati? The owner. Ganapati, yeah. So a despot is pure Sanskrit. Desha, Pati. Uh Okay, it's a despot. Isn't that interesting? Now, what is Duryodhana's father's name? Dhritarashtra. Ah, which means what? I don't know. Blinded by the land. Dhritarashtra, okay. Dhritarashtra. Oh. And right. Duryodhan means dirty fighter. Okay. <laughs> Duryod. Yeah. Yod. Ah. So, a despot is somebody who steals the land. It means they're in real estate. <laughs> or unreal estate, as the case may be. Now, but here's another one that comes from that one. Mm. What do you call somebody who gets special privileges because of who they know or who they're related to? Mm. Now, isn't this interesting? Yes. So the despot is the, the one that they know. Right. And they get some extra powers. Yes. What is it? Nepotism. Oh, that's what nepotism is. Nepotism is from the word nephew. Mm. Now listen carefully. Mm. Nephew. Nepot. You get power because you're the nephew. Of who? You can look this up. Mm. The Pope. The Pope's nephew gets special powers and that was called nepotism. Power the Pope's nephew has. Isn't that interesting? Don't you think? Yes. Wow. Um, Wow. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you about words. You know, um, Jeffrey, this is not going to be the only interview we're going to do with you. (laughs) We're going to have to bring you over and over again. I'm in. No problem. (laughs) Let's take a very short commercial break and come back. And I want to ask you, you've you've coined some words. And, and, uh, And why do you do that? Like, entrepreneur is one. So remind me when we come back that you will talk about entrepreneur. All right. Spice Radio Radio Room Jim Sundriam Gapshapka program hai. Jeffrey Armstrong Aj Hamare Sathan. Jeffrey, we've got a caller before you give me the answer about the three the new words that you you've coined from entrepreneur. Let's just talk to line number four. How are you doing, line number four? Good, thank you. I'm just curious. Uh, I just have a question. Uh, it may not be related. So I'm not a Hindu. I don't practice Hinduism. I'm actually a Sikh, and I know Punjabi, right? And our language is Gurmukhi. And I just had a question: Is that derived from Hindi, or is it derived from Sanskrit? Just a curiosity question. Well, Very good question. First of all, let me say Ekonkar Satnam Siri Guruvahi Guruvahi. Guru Govind Singh is one of my great heroes. He was the other Arjuna. There is really not a big gap between the Sikh Dharma and the Vedic Dharma at all. And it, it began that the each Sikh family, their eldest son, became a warrior to protect the culture of Bharat. Mm-hmm. And it's only political that there's a greater distance now 
because the Veda doesn't have a problem with people, have their, people having their own opinion mm-hmm. and being a branch of the Veda. So the Sikh branch and the Guru Granth doesn't bother anyone who's Vedic because you have the values of Sanatan Dharma. So we're kin. It's the same. It's just a little okay. variety of difference, you see? So that there's not supposed to be a big political gap between the Kshatriyas and the rest of society. And the Sikh Dharma is essentially the code of the Kshatriyas made into a lifestyle, protecting and being honorable and caring for everyone. So I am a great fan of the Sikh Dharma, and I think of it as a branch of the Vedic Dharma. And I know which came first, the Sanskrit did. And okay. if you really okay. look at it carefully, you'll go, oh, I see, so we're part of that tree called Sanskrit. That's right. But do you and get to do it your way? Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Ah, great question. Thank you. Thank Satnam. you. That was a curious mind asking a beautiful, curious question. Wasn't it? Yes. So, entrepreneur. Oh, entrepreneur? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said entrepreneur. I said entrepreneur, oh. but you, a entrepreneur is another one. Oh, but the problem is entrepreneur. Oh, there is an entrepreneur. That's well. when you leave a pile of doo-doo everywhere you go, <laughs> and you don't recycle, and you don't care for the planet. Mm. This would be most of our world right now, Yes. which is just taking and not giving back. Right. But what is Sanatan Dharma? Sanatan means always, mm. and dri means using everything according to the laws of nature. Okay. So ecology was invented in Bharat, yeah. and it's otherwise known as Sanatan Dharma. So it leads to a dharmocracy, not a demonocracy. No. Oh, that's why you were using the word dharma. Dharmaocracy. Dharmaocracy. Yeah, and mantra, yeah. Panur, yeah. where I always say, is this a good approach, do you think? And I'm talking to Bhagavan. Yes, and Bhagavan says, and Bhagavan yes, says, keep up the good work, friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Hindu-Canadian um, chapter, uh, Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce has been, you know, very interested in the work that you do and they have promoted you a lot as well. Can we talk a little bit about them? Yes. Mm. They are the emergence of the culture of Bharat Mm. from colonization. Mm. They're aware that they were colonized and that what's wrong in the world is we try to make money as an end in itself Mm. instead of taking care of everyone and making sure it's dharmic. And so I 100% support this lovely organization because they're bringing back our conscience Mm. into the generating of wealth. Right. And this is the basis of the Vedic civilization. Right. It is that everything we do is seven generations of gratitude behind us and seven generations of care about the future in front of us. In front of us. So we have to... We're a seven-generation yeah. in both directions culture. Isn't that and beautiful? This organization is thinking that way. Yeah. And so they want success, but dharmic success. I have two questions. One, uh, I'll ask at the end, so that you know there isn't that much time for you to answer. The other one is uh, Vedas. There are four Vedas, and there are nine Upanishads. Can you very quickly tell us? each Veda, what, what it constitutes? 
Well, actually, believe it's ten Upanishads, technically. Okay, ten, not nine? Not nine, but okay. ten. And four Vedas, Rig Veda, Sama Veda, Yajur Veda, Atharva Veda. Mm. And in the midst of those are the 108 Upanishads. Okay. And then from that, there are two things. There's Itihasa, the mm. Ramayana and Mahabharata, mm -hmm. out of which we get the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. And then there's a moment in history when Krishna was on the ground mm. that Veda Vyasadeva came yes. to write down the Veda. Yes. So when he wrote it down, from that time forward, yeah. All the great acharyas, Shankaracharya, Ramanujacharya, Madhva Acharya, Nimbarka Acharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all of them did a commentary on three texts. Okay. This is called Prastana Trayi, hmm. the Vedanta Sutras of Veda Vyas, hmm. 550 or so hmm. sutras explaining the ultimate purpose of the Veda. Okay. Ten principal Upanishads. Okay. Ishu Upanishad, Katha Upanishad, Brihadaranyaka Upanishad. So the Vedanta Sutras, the ten principal Upanishads mm -hmm. that everyone agrees are the solid message of the entire Veda, okay. and the Bhagavad Gita. So that is that is that what we are supposed to live by? Not only live by, but it's the way we establish a school of thought. Okay. Because there are many schools of thought within the Veda, and they're encouraged. Yes. It's not out of confusion. It's because there are many different ways to look at such great truths, yeah. and we embrace all of those as valuable. Okay. And that's why we don't dislike each other for looking from a different angle. Right. So Shankaracharya, Ramanuja, all of these great acharyas commented on these great topics. And that's the definition of an acharya, ultimately, a true acharya comments on the Gita, right. the Ten Principal Upanishads, and the Yoga Sutras, and that is then a sampradaya. Okay, so sampradaya. Okay, when um, I read news of, about what's happening in India right now, I I, I I cringe a little bit because my understanding of the Sanatan Dharam is that we do not believe in conversion. You're born a Sanatani or you're not. People would say you're born a Hindu or not, but Hindu is not the right term either for us. It is a Sanatan dharam, not Hinduism. So uh, I don't want you to go into the politics, neither do I want to go into the politics. But when I hear about the Muslims or communities that are not quote-unquote Hindu being treated badly in India, it hurts my atma. Yes, of course it does. Right? And all of our atmas should be hurt at the thought that unnecessary harm is being caused to another atma, yes. to another embodied being. Right. Secondly, the Sanatan Dharma culture yeah. is not against other people having their own worldview. Yeah. We're in favor of it. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we can cooperate together in our lifestyle and not destroy Mata Bhumi. Mm. So may I add a word? Bhumi, Mata. Mm. So human comes from Bhumi, H-U-M-I, mm. Humi, Homi. And humus, hmm. what do we call dirt? Humus, ah. what do we call ourselves? Humus beings. Right. And boomy beings. Yeah. So Mata Bhumi hmm. is described in the Atharva Veda. Yasyam samudra bhuta sindurabo, yasyam bandam prishtaya sambhavu, and it goes on. Hmm. And it's called the, the shlokas to Mata Bhumi. Hmm. And every yogi, when they wake up in the morning, hmm. 
and get out of bed, they say to Matabumi, pardon me, Matabumi, I'm about to put my feet on you again, yes. but I promise to serve you all day long. Isn't that beautiful? That is Sanatana Dharma. So we honor all traditions, all religions, as long as they honor Matabumi and each other. That's all that And if, if, we, if they don't, what can we do? Become angry? No. no. We say to them, namaste. I see you as an immortal being, mm. and I want to make a friendship with you. Mm. I don't want to tell you what to do. Mm. I certainly don't want to hurt you. Can we cooperate? Yeah. What do you think? Cooperation is the best way of um, leading a life peacefully. Dharmic way. Dharmic way. Thank you ever so much for making this one hour go by like... <laughs> I get so inspired in your company that what can I do? Oh, you're so kind. I enjoy every minute of talking to you. I'm going to make it a point to call you at least once a month. Is your middle name Saraswati? <laughs> oh, that's too big. No. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you so much, Sandy. So much to you, Thank you for what you're doing, for this beautiful voice that you've maintained for so long, just the pure music of truth-telling. It's so beautiful. May the goddess bless you. And you. With that, we come to the end of our show. Who are all the things that have been in your eyes, will be here tomorrow. And we'll be here tomorrow. And Stay tuned for the Drive Home Grind with DJ Flight right here on Spice Radio. And your requests with Nutan on Radio Rimjim.